0: identify this music with us. Dennis Prager here with Julie Hartman. Dennis and Julie. What episode are you? Do you know what number? 72. 72. The, you know, it's so funny. Everything we do is spontaneous on Dennis Everything. Julie, we we a, have no idea what we're no, going to talk it's about It's really today. amazing, and it gets no deep. I mean, this it, is not superficial right. stuff. But I do want to say something immediately. Nothing... I don't think anything evokes instantaneous emotion like music. Music is unique in human expression. The second that comes on, I get into a good mood. I mean, thank God I'm usually in a good mood, as you know, but nevertheless, you know what I mean. And the ability of music to do that... uh, it, it, utterly independent, obviously of, of Dennis and Julie because I'm a, uh, it's it's sort of my drug music. I you know, I think music is an argument for God's existence, you know that.
1: Oh, absolutely. yes. What music does is it, among other things makes you feel and process emotions that you didn't even realize that you have. For instance, there are some songs I listen to, and it makes me think of wanting to get married. And I'm not. I mean, certainly that's a priority in my life, but I can't say it's something I think about. By the, all the way, time. I just wanted
0: the record. I hear Beethoven Seventh, and I think of Julie getting married. <laughs> it doesn't matter what music comes on; I'm thinking of you getting married. Go ahead. Oh, we know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I appreciate it. Right. Um,
1: but there will be certain songs that will come on, and I'll picture getting married, or I'll, I'll picture having a family, and that's it, it. Only really, well, I can't say it only really happens, but it it comes up when I hear those those lines. Or I'll I'll hear a song and I'll think about this random memory from my childhood. Isn't that amazing that that music can do that?
0: I wonder what's more powerful in that regard, music or smell. Because smells are very powerful. You're right. They're rare. Music is much more ubiquitous than smells, but a specific smell that you identify with a, a moment in life, bad or good. Right. It, 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 it really goes deep.
1: Well, there's music too. Some songs that I played either in a happy or not so happy time in my life. And when that song comes on, I immediately, yes. I go right back to what I was feeling.
0: That's right. Now, so let me just say why I think it's a, an argument for God's existence. Mm-hmm. So, so often I have read... And I I don't, I don't have great respect for the the general trend that everything is explainable by evolution. I, I I think it's, it's a stretch. But they admit they can't figure out an evolutionary explanation for music. It doesn't seem to play any role in the necessity of, of procreation, the survival of the species.
1: I wonder how. It's just a gift. I wonder how staunch scientists, i.e. those who, who don't allow for the existence of religion or God's hand in anything, I wonder how they would consider or explain music.
0: Well, they don't. I think that that's... that's
1: uh... How do you think they would answer if, if the question were presented?
0: That they, as they do with everything, one day science will explain it. That, right. But, that...
1: that's kind, but, but, but that's a kind of faith. That's what they don't realize. Having faith that science will explain is the same thing of having faith that God or religion will explain something. That's faith.
0: Yes. Well, they call us us believers. You ever hear this? God of the gaps. You ever hear that phrase? No, no. Yeah. That's a very big common put down. Where there is a gap in human understanding, God fills it. Mm. And they don't, as if they don't have science of the gaps. Right. Science will fill it. Really? You, you know, science will one day explain how we got from inorganic to organic? Maybe not. That, you're right, that is a complete leap of faith.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as you very uh, brilliantly write in your commentary, science doesn't explain how life emerged from non-life. I think that's what you're just saying. Right, in- correct. Organic from yes. inorganic. It's so true. Like, we, we can understand maybe how humans evolved from mm-hmm. earlier, more primitive creatures, but why, why don't we ever consider the question, well, how, right. did, how, did human, how did even a creature get on the earth in the first place? Seriously, do they just think it popped up? What's their answer? I don't know.
0: They don't have an answer to a lot of, or any of the biggest. How did anything come from nothing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No answer. How did uh, life come from non-life? No answer. How did consciousness come from no consciousness? Right. No answer, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't bother them. <laughs> that's right; it doesn't. That's the biggest questions of all. At all, oh, it doesn't matter. The thought that there might actually be a creator is—that's the unacceptable possibility.
1: Yes. Well, you ended our last episode, which, by the way. I will even say, and you know I'm very hard on myself, I will even say that was a magnificent No, show. let me
0: say, you are not hard on yourself. You, you remind me about yourself like the uh, Shiite self-flagellators <laughs> who, unless they bleed, it's a certain uh, Shiite holiday where they actually whip themselves with chains. That's what you do most days.
1: I think that is the first and only time in my life that I will be compared to a Shiite Muslim.
0: <laughs> no, no, to a Shiite self-flagellator. <laughs> well, yes. Even and more specific, yes.
1: Well, right. okay, so there's this really good book, which, by the way, if our viewers have read it, I want you to write in to me. It's like Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. I always ask people to write in about that. It's called um, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. Great book. And in it, he describes this militant Catholic group which does something called corporal mortification, where they will take a chain and put it around their thigh and tighten, tighten, tighten the chain so that the, the chain digs into the flesh and then you bleed and, and maybe even break a limb. And and they did it or do it, if that group still exists, in order to become closer to God. It's this idea that you will feel the suffering that, that Christ felt on the cross. Anyway, when I read that, in Dan Brown's book, I underlined it, starred it, and I wrote, this is what I do, but in my mind. I corporately oh, so I was right. mortificate myself mm-hmm. in my mind. Yes, yes, that's what you do. That's God, I'm exactly probably, right. people at home are like, is she a lunatic? I'm not. Or You're not I, a maybe. lunatic.
0: No, no. <laughs> I'm just. That is your, what's the word? I, I have, I, I don't think you'll know this word. Dibbic? Have you never heard the word Dibbic? No? right? There's a play, you'd you love it. D I D Y B B U K or B U K. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. two Bs or one. It, it's it's having inside of you, um, a sort of devil that 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 gnaws at you. you. That's yours.
1: If I may, for a moment, and I I really actually don't mean to make it about myself, I want to say this because I think it may be helpful for other people who are overachievers. I think that my intense self-criticism comes from this upbringing I had, and, and it was really something that I pushed myself to do, where I wanted to get into Harvard. I wanted to be the best, one of the best swimmers in California. And in order to reach that level of accomplishment, and this isn't said as a brag, it's just, it's just true. In order to reach that level of accomplishment, you can't just be good. You can't just be great. You have to be Extraordinary in what you do. And so in school, I couldn't just be an A student. I had to be a straight A, you know, near perfect on every exam um, that I took in order to, you know, have the academic credentials to get into Harvard. And swimming, when you get to a certain level of speed, it is down to the millisecond that where you are competing with someone literally if you my coach used to talk to me about my pinky if i were coming into the wall to to end the 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 race and my pinky was out a little bit there would be friction in the water and it would slow me down by a millisecond you ha- you you have to think about your pinky <laughs> literally in order to to get to a certain level of swimming and i think that intense self criticism where every detail had to be flawless has endowed me for better or for worse and probably in some cases for worse with this intense great isn't doesn't cut it it has to be perfect so anyone well, who has that you know get rid of it okay it's not fun
0: that's right <laughs> try so to listen to try this to get rid of so that. this is a great example when I say to people because I'm, I'm really honest when I tell people that Dennis and Julie bring stuff out of me that I, I just as open as I try to be and am on my regular you know, solo podcasts mm-hmm. and broadcasts, this is a good example. So I don't have that at all. I know. And I have accomplished a lot without that. So uh, I'll tell you an interesting thing. I've, I've, I know I've never said this publicly. So at, at a recent Prager U Gala Jordan Peterson was the guest, and I—I I know you. I think you know this.
1: I was—I was there.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. But I don't know if you know this comment that he made to me. Oh. So, uh, we had a dialogue, which I was love. And afterwards, to his credit, he did what I do: hang around for selfies with people, to talk to people, and so he, he didn't have to hang around. It was—it said a lot about him that he did. And he walked over to me. We were very close to each other, but he walked over and he said something to this effect. You, you Dennis, uh, uh, are remarkable in that you are very deep and preoccupied with the, the big issues in, of life and suffering and evil, and you are so lighthearted. And it was such an interesting observation. When intelligent people view you, it's such a gift. Because mm-hmm. no one can know themselves in, in that sense like others know them. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, wow. I didn't think, oh, I'm terrific. I thought, oh, I'm so lucky. I was endowed with this easygoing personality. And yet I'm as intense as he is, as you are. Right. It, it, and it, it, it's so that. That uh, quality that you described in yourself, it may not be indispensable to success.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, I think it has been a huge contributor to, to my success. Yeah, but yes. it's come at a great cost. But what I will say is um over time, I have gotten way better at it. I know you probably don't believe me. But I compared do Compared to how tightly wound I was in high school, I'm way better now. Yes. Honestly, Dennis, and I'm not. You know, sorry. No,
0: I could have. I, I have. Don't finish your sentence. I will. I know I played a role in that.
1: Yeah, you played a no huge doubt. role. in I it. I have
0: no doubt about it.
1: Just, just, and I'm glad the power having a really good example around you in that, life. Yes, people gravely underestimate yes. the power of that. I, and I think the most. This is what I say to people. Like I was giving a speech in Washington State, and someone raised their hand and asked me the question, which I always get. I'm sure you get it very often. How do we change things? How do we influence young people? And sometimes when people ask that question, I say this with all due respect. It's really hard to answer. Like I don't. I don't have the answer as to how we, you no. know, h- help young people see the light. But what I always, always say is that the most powerful thing that you can give a person isn't necessarily money isn't necessarily opportunity. It's the power of a good example. So if you want to change something, do it in your own life. People will notice and never admit that, that they are being influenced by you. That's what you've done with me. And then the final thing I'll say about this is I think one of the ways that you've helped me with this is through teaching me about the power of the individual and free will. Like, yes, your, the way you live your life has influenced me, but also your writings about human nature have influenced me it's a really empowering thing to think that you can work on yourself and better yourself that's one of the biggest reasons why i'm a conservative because it's it's a shame what the left says about oh well you're just a you know collection of your experience and you know if you grew up in a in a certain neighborhood, or if you grew up experiencing something, you, it's very difficult to overcome. I hate that, and I don't think it's true. You can overcome your circumstances. You can overcome the more malignant parts of your nature if you work on it. And I'm working on it, and I'm overcoming. Well,
0: that, that, that's my one of my oldest lines: the the difference between religious education. <laughs> I, I don't know who who is that. Who is, that on the- who, who is this? The picture of behind Julie.
1: It's a real show. Oh, uh, yeah. Real things yes, happen. exactly. People pop up on No, no, screens. I wasn't
0: even critical. I was no, just curious. No, of course. It was like, is that a future husband? I mean, I just...
1: <laughs> that's that, where your mind goes. That's where
0: my mind that goes. That bust of By Benjamin the way, I, I, I can prove that. I yeah. met a guy...
1: Oh,
0: no. Yes, in Phoenix on the train from the rental car place to to the gate to to your where your gates are the terminal and he was a good-looking guy i would say about 30 and he was a big fan of mine and we got a picture together he was uh, he was originally from uh, the soviet union and i my first question was are you
1: married?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's married with two or three kids. So. I
1: just want to tell people that Dennis at speeches will say are there any single men in the audience? I have a magnificent young woman. And then I usually probably look awful. And so I just, I start kind of running out the back to go to the bathroom whenever you do that. Because I don't want.
0: I do that in your presence?
1: Yes, you did it at your uh, um,
0: really? Okay. minion. Really? Yeah. Wow. Do, you, do
1: you not remember the times you've done this? You did it at that speech in the doing valley. I do it
0: in your presence. I know I do it, but I didn't realize you were present. I do. Go anyway, I, I want to comment. Standards. This is really big, seriously, very yes. big. The model issue, okay. The role model. The role model, yeah. So, I have said on on many occasions. My my parents were not particularly affectionate. That's just the way they were. They were affectionate to each other, but uh, but not not to their sons, and especially to me because I I. Uh, I did not. Uh, Bring them reasons for accolades. Let's put it that way, at least at, a, at an early age.
1: Right? Yeah. The guy okay. with the forty-year-long radio show did not. Yeah. Bring well, them no, reasons no. Later, accolades. okay.
0: Later, they were big fans. I mean, I have to admit, uh, that, that's not. That's not. The punchline is not that. That's the preface. My father didn't hug me. My father didn't say he loved me. My father provided a role model. Mm. I. There is no comparison between which is more important for a boy. A father as a role model or a father who was affectionate that's all i just want to say that that's what matters i i knew what a man should act like watching my father uh, what what okay would it have been nicer if he also on occasion was warm and affectionate and fuzzy yes did i survive it yes i don't know if i would have survived as well had he not provided a role model
1: it's interesting to me because you are quite affectionate.
0: Yes. You're
1: you're quite effusive
0: yeah. to the, to everyone in your life who you think and certainly think my, highly my of. own sons. Yes. By the way, I so that brings me to Prager's theory number 44932 subsection B that the I I believed this in high school. I kept saying to myself, I will make a home that that Uh, does not lack what my home has lacked as a child. I believe that life gives you a second chance at a better parent-child relationship than you had with your parents.
1: Isn't that cool? And also perhaps a third chance if you're a grandparent.
0: That's right. No, that's absolutely correct. And by the way, I think my parents had that. They were super affectionate to the grandchildren. Wow. So uh, who find it very hard, these are my nieces and nephews, they find it very hard to believe that they weren't affectionate with me.
1: Did but, you ever but, ask them, Dennis, when they were alive, it, did you ever say, look, I, I no hard feelings, I know you loved me, but why didn't you ever hug or kiss me or, or say that you love me?
0: I, I never asked them that. Mm. I, and I'll tell you why, since they're not around, I could tell you. I was so afraid of hurting their feelings mm. That I don't think I, I think that they lived in, in a sort of make believe world in that regard, not in general. Uh, that I think they thought the home was more idyllic than I did. Mm-hmm. Let, let's put it that way. None of the, the, I want people to understand there isn't a residue of, of, of negativity, anger, hurt. Right. If you don't know your parents are human. You, you, will, you will not grow up. Growing up entails many things. One of them is to know your parents are mortals. So you have a choice. Do you emphasize the crappy parts of your upbringing or do you emphasize the better parts of your upbringing? That, like everything in life, is a choice. Everything in life is a choice. You choose how to regard your own upbringing. And uh, I I know I literally, unfortunately, know people who all they remember is the bad, and and exaggerate how bad it was, right. and have this permanent anger toward their parents. It's 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 very destructive.
1: This is one of the subjects actually that we wanted to talk about on the show was how easy it is to disappoint many people nowadays, especially. Uh, children or, um, you know, by children, I don't mean like eight-year-olds. I mean children of, p- of parents. Um, but before we get to that, I want to make a point about this role models thing that, w- that we're discussing. We hear often from the left that representation is important, that's what they said about Kamala Harris. That's what they said about Katanji Brown-Jackson. That's what they say about having transgender right, individuals— Right, having people get... who look yes. like you. having people who look like you or who are the same sexual orientation. It's important, the left says, to see them on your TV screens. <laughs> I mean, look, people are going to say, well, of course, Julie, you don't think that's important because you're a white person and you see white people on your TV screens all the time. But that just shows how little wisdom— there is on the left. What do you think is more important for a young person? Whether they're black or or queer or trans doesn't matter. What do you think is more important seeing someone who has their skin color on on a TV screen or having someone of any skin ca- color, any gender, any sexuality in their lives who is a good source of morality and and character? I mean, why don't we ever hear that being discussed? It's it's asinine. So so seeing someone on your screen is like well, going to change your I, well, life. Really?
0: That's the real question. How will it change your how?
1: life? How they've never identified how that changes mm-hmm. your life. Right. Well, they would say that it, that it, you know, makes but you a feel lot like of people, can...
0: a lot of people have it. I have relatives. I will say who, who are wonderful people. And I remember when Joe Lieberman was running for vice president, Al Gore, he was Al Gore's running mate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my my relatives all of whom uh, obviously are jewish and they they i remember one of them who sometimes voted republican sometimes democrat so who i said who are you voting for it was gore i go and why oh well you know lieberman is a jew it'd be great to have a, a jewish vice president and i remember thinking why
1: <laughs> I, and you're saying this is a jew Of course, yes, exactly. Just to point
0: out. Yes, though, you're right. And I meant it why? It's like my old thing about, you know, in my bar mitzvah, I got this book, Great Jews in Sports, and I remember thinking, why? What do I care? And it's not like I'm an alienated Jew. I mean, I've written the the most widely used guide in English to Judaism, among other things. I mean, much of my life has been intensely involved in Judaism and, and with Jews. But I don't understand that notion mm-hmm. that I have to see. I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish world, and I remember when I would see, what was it? Dick, was it Dick and Jane? Do you know the early readers? You wouldn't know. C. Spot Run. Are you familiar with that phrase? C. Spot Run. Dennis,
1: I didn't know who the Three Stooges were on your yes, show I know. When that but C.
0: Spot Run is better. Even <laughs> I better don't know known what your Three references. Were
1: first. No, no,
0: early readers.
1: Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for AmFed Coin & Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed have always had Dennis's back. Nick's been in the industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed Coin & Bullion. 1-800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, so anyway, it was, it was you know, I think Dick and Jane and Spot was the dog. I believe that was one of my first readers. But I remember thinking, at by eighth grade at least, you know, uh, I haven't seen one figure wearing a yarmulke, which right. is my whole world as an Orthodox Jew, you know, skullcap. And, and I remember also thinking, so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the end of the issue. So what? Let's say I had seen one. Do you realize how low your self-esteem has to be that you gather steam, uh, or or if you will, esteem, I should say, gather esteem from seeing somebody who looks like you?
1: It also reduces that person to their immutable characteristics and not the... The accomplishments that they have worked hard, whether it's in their character or in their, you know, professional lives, to attain. For instance, there was this dance teacher who I had in high school. <laughs> Dennis, you say that you're bad at skiing and bad at basketball. I am so bad at dance; it's comical. I had to dance in front of the entire school uh, once a semester, and I took the dance as an art requirement for two semesters. And people were laughing because I was so bad. <laughs> they were laughing in like a loving way because they. Uh You know, they knew like I was this athlete and I wasn't good at dance. Anyway, I had this dance teacher who happened to be a black woman and she was magnificent. She was the epitome of elegance and she just she had that like dance posture and she she really kind of used dance as a way to teach us to be elegant it didn't matter that she was black. It mattered that she was a a good... I, I never thought of her as like a That's black right. woman who's yes. made an impression on me. I just thought of her as a person. If I thought of her as a black woman who made an impression on me, again, I would be... Mm-hmm. It, it reduces the essence of who she is.
0: Right. Did I, did I read Tom Sowell because he was black or because right. he was brilliant?
1: Well, another thing I've noticed on the left, and by the way, this isn't just confined to the left, but I think it's more on the left than on the right... Is that you have to go big in order to quote unquote make a difference? This is the whole like oh we're going to change uh, children's lives by having a black vice president. By the way, is she even black? I don't know. I'm, I'm confused about it. I've heard she's South Asian. I've heard she's black. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Kamala in the Harris. End. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: but so that is South Asian, yeah.
1: right? So they say oh, in order to to change children's lives, you need black actors or queer actors. Even if you look at what they say about fight racism, fight climate change, why don't you start with fighting yourself, fighting the things that you may do wrong? Oh, yeah. Well, so various... I, I
0: was about to say that, and I I, I think I went off uh, as usual, but usually I come back. But I was going to say, unless I did say it, <laughs> I've said nearly all of my life, the great difference between a religious, Jew, Jewish, or Christian education, and secular is that In religious life, you are taught that your greatest problem is you. Mm -hmm. In secular life, at least in the modern period, you're taught your greatest problem is America. That's the great right-left dividing line. Right. Do I fight me and my nature, or do I fight America?
1: Well, what about starting small? I mean, you never hear, like, um, you know, create a—for instance, when we hear about uh, educational differences— uh, between you know white students and black students, you never hear like people leftists encouraging people to open up a tutoring clinic in their own community or volunteer five hours a week in their own community. What you hear is we have to spend a trillion dollars on this reform. Wh- why is the answer to go big? Sometimes the answer is actually to go small, but no. not not according to them. All right, the fountain pens out. Yes. Oh, are you writing a response?
0: No, I want to. I want to write a column on what I just spoke about. Fight yourself or fight America. It's so important.
1: Yes. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said fight racism. The conservative uh, counterpart to that bumper sticker would be fight you.
0: Yes. Fight yourself. Yeah. Fight yourself. I have another answer to to, uh, that bumper sticker. Fight people who say fight racism. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Want to make a better America? don't starve me because there's so little racism in the country and and it it almost all emanates from the left anyway but anyway that's another issue so you uh you saw my speech Mm. at the the Arizona State Capitol so for those listening or watching or both I spoke at the Arizona State Capitol on the hearings that they convened on Arizona State University 37 of their professors objected to Charlie Kirk and my uh, speaking there. It, be, it The issue went viral when the Wall Street Journal published a an op-ed piece by a woman who lost her job because they invited me. A lot of terrible things happened. That's why I told this bitter joke from Soviet dissidents. They used to say, in America, no, no, in the Soviet Union, there is freedom of speech. In America, there is freedom after speech that's that's the key is their freedom after speech arizona state university has a commitment to free speech but look at the repercussions of of going there so you saw the speech which i want i really hope goes viral i'm going to put it up everywhere i can and look i give a lot of speeches I, i have thousands of speeches so if i feel one really needs to go viral it's because i really believe it's only 20 minutes mhm but i i i think i demolished these 37 liars i mean t- to say that this guy dennis prager has devoted his life to fighting evil like like nazis that i am a white nationalist the the combination of lying and uh, and hate is unparalleled. And this is 37 out of 40 37 out of 49 I think it is professors at this Barrett College the Honors College.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you did I mean I have so many reactions to the speech. We played it for the entire third hour of your radio show a few days ago. It was just magnificent. And sorry, Juliet and Virginia, who thinks I compliment you too much, but it's worthy of the compliment. Everyone should watch it. I think it should be the model for how to fight against um, leftists like those despicable human beings who are trying to cancel you for daring to share your values. I'll say a few things. First, you did really a magnificent job of proving how they're calling you the hater. They are the haters. Isn't that interesting? We've remarked about this on on this program several times several times, excuse me, but on the left <laughs> up is down, left is right, good is evil, evil is good. Racism is not racism. Not racism is race. It's all like backwards. And and what they were doing to you by accusing you of being the hater is is the epitome of that the people they are the haters for trying to cancel you and tear you down. I thought you d- you explained that really well. Also, it's funny that they were saying that hate was it one of the congress people that said that hate speech is not protected by free speech?
0: Yep. One of the not congress but the state state right. legislature.
1: So how interesting because I would consider them calling you a white nationalist hate speech. So when they when it's hate speech that they like, it's protected. I e they think they should be allowed Excellent to call point. you a white nationalist, but when it's hate speech that they don't like, it's not protected. Which one is it? And then another another thing that came right. to mind... uh, uh, Right, right.
0: Sure. You won't forget your next point. I won't. Point, right? I won't. I have,
1: I have like ten. Okay, good.
0: That's a very important <laughs> yes. point. Yes. Why is that not hate speech?
1: It is. It is the opinion.
0: This Jew is a Nazi.
1: It's awful. I mean, it is. I would consider it to be hate speech. And so, well, if
0: it isn't, there is no such thing. Right, but but of course that's protected. Right. You're, no, no, you're, I'm just amplifying your point.
1: No, all. I mean, I would. I mean, I want to say that to them. That well, Do you consider what you just called me as a religious Jew? You basically just called me a Nazi. Do you not consider that hate speech? You think you ought to be allowed to say that? But then my talking about my happiness books. <laughs> <laughs> and my, you yeah. know, thoughts on male sexuality. That's hate well, speech. my
0: favorite you- is actually the Charlie Kirk issue.
1: Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, that, that was Charlie brilliant. Kirk
0: is a hater. <laughs> he spoke the entire half hour he spoke on why he keeps the Sabbath as a Christian. <laughs> that you should turn your cell phone off for a day a week. That's, I mean, the epitome of hate.
1: No, the best thing was when you said, I've written books on... Uh, Judaism and Torah commentaries. Yeah, haters really do that. I've also written a book on happiness. Big hater here. I mean, the whole thing is absurd. A, a final point I want to make on this free speech issue, and then I actually have some questions for you about about the hearing, is that whenever I see people who want to tear down free speech, I think it is the ultimate despicable irony because they are using their free speech to advocate for the suspension of free speech. The only reason why they can toy around with putting limitations on the 1st Amendment is because they have free speech to be able to toy around with tearing down the 1st Amendment. Does that make sense? They are Total. literally using the vehicle to tear down the vehicle.
0: They use How does it make the, sense? They use conservative traditional Americans tolerance to promote intolerance. Same thing.
1: Yes. I mean, they are literally slashing the foundation that they stand on. That's right. I don't know if they realize that, but at least to me, it's glaringly obvious.
0: This is the history of communism. It is a, as the biblical phrase goes, it is a land that eats its own inhabitants. So uh, you wouldn't know this. This was obviously my field of study. So uh, the Soviet Union, so I'm laughing. It's not laughable, but... uh, the only alternative is to cry, virtually every leading Bolshevik comrade of Stalin's in making Stalin possible by... Lenin died in 1923. Stalin was in full power by 29. It took mm-hmm. years to consolidate. So in the 30s, he had vast show trials. Most of the time, they were against his colleagues, fellow Bolshevik leaders who were tortured in prison into confessing and you can obviously torture people into saying anything Mm -hmm. and usually they would say to their torturers please tell Comrade Stalin that I'm here in prison you'll see I'm not anti-communist I'm not anti-government the whatever you're accusing me of not knowing stalin ordered them to be tortured hmm. the the these people who who are undermining free speech they will be eaten up by their own revolution that happens in every left wing revolution from the french revolution to the to what's happening now
1: yes that that is absolutely true Going back to um, a Supreme Court ruling a few weeks ago about the the um, the designer, the website designer, who mm-hmm. was asked to make a website that was pro-LGBTQ. Not that she was asked by gay people to make a website, but she was asked to make a website that was pro-LGBTQ causes. She said for religious reasons she did not feel comfortable making that site. The Supreme C- Court ruled in her favor that just as you cannot restrict speech, you also can't force people to say certain things that they don't want to say. And Clarence Thomas, who we both adore with good reason, wrote this amazing um, concurring opinion, and he said, this is as much a win for the people who, who don't want to design um, LGBTQ websites as it is for people who don't want to design anti-LGBTQ websites,
0: that's right. You know, that's exactly like, right. That's
1: protecting those individuals too. If someone comes into to your, if you're a wedding designer and you're a leftist, or if you and someone says a, a really uber religious conservative comes in and says, "I want you to make this site about how transgenderism is a mental illness," that person under that Supreme or, or Court ruling really has the right to deny it.
0: Marriage should be between a man and a woman. Right. You should be forced to make that cake in, in the case of the the woman, the baker in Colorado.
1: But they don't they don't see that. Especially in the matter of free speech, it's a win for all of us if free speech is protected. It is a win for them as much as it is for conservatives, because as you very well said in that in that speech of yours, when you start saying some things aren't allowed, it will it will surely come to you at some point.
0: Yeah, the example I used was the recent demonstration of real Nazis, not left wing. Uh, Accusations of Nazis, real Nazis with a real swastika, in front of whatever the distance was, but in front of a, an, a Georgia synagogue, mm-hmm. the police didn't stop them, saying they had freedom of speech, and I agree. Mm-hmm. And I said it, it, to to the Arizona legislature, it if you if you stop Nazis' speech today, you will stop Zionist speech tomorrow, and I'm a Zionist. Right. Zionist. For the record, just means someone who believes that the Jews' return to Zion is a noble enterprise,
1: A.K.A. Israel, right? That's what Zion A.K.A. Is. Israel. Mm-hmm. So, I have a question for you. <laughs> One of the thoughts, the recurring thoughts that I was having watching that speech, and frankly, I have it a lot when I just listen to you talking about any subject, is how could any decent person argue with what you're saying, especially that speech you gave? I mean, you just you you said you were you were incredibly fair you you very clearly outlined how free speech is you know pr- pr- is a win for all of us and so to consider that someone like the the congress people or the state legislators who were confronting you it's really difficult to to consider what it is about them that that makes them hate you and your ideas so much it is so obviously decent and egalitarian so my question for you is why do they hate you so much what are are they are they like seeing a different reality than we're seeing when they're listening to that same speech do you think they're really seeing a hate monger or do you think that they feel obligated to oppose you because they know that members of their political party will like them better if they oppose you
0: oh no they oppose me without asking themselves what's politically astute
1: so they watch that and they, see, they really see a hater.
0: Okay, so here's the beauty. You, you, you will not see this in the what I'm putting up because it's just my, my talk and the Republican legislators' questions. The Democratic legislators didn't say a word while I was up there. Hmm. They all spoke, every single one of them, after I sat down.
1: <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They're terrified of you.
0: They are. They really they, are. They are. And what they said, for example, I remember one of them saying how wrong I was for calling these forty, these thirty-seven professors lowlifes. The woman, and they, and interestingly, they were all women. The woman
1: called you up, not what, a white well, nationalist. Well, no, no, no,
0: no, It's worse than it's. It's, it's more illogical than that. My calling them lowlifes is indefensible. Their calling me a Nazi right. is defensible. oh is that what yes, you're I'm yes. sorry. No, yes. that's all right. So okay, so my I, I, I said to friends of mine who were who were present after it was over I, I I'm debating whether to even say this Because it sounds like all all it is is a throwaway insult, but I don't mean it as an insult. With one exception, they the comments were not just you know or hateful or or whatever. They didn't reflect fine minds.
1: That's putting it lightly. (laughs) Well, it is.
0: But it's actually, it's not that they're stupid, it's that their mind doesn't function properly. it's, It's a very hard thing to explain. They made comments that reflected having heard nothing of what I said, and they may not have heard anything I said. I believe that's possible.
1: Well, Astrid told me, for those who don't know who Astrid is, where have you been? Uh, Astrid is this uh, Danish woman who Dennis befriended when he was in Denmark, and she's magnificent. She's she, conservative. She's a,
0: yeah, she has her own broadcast yes, in she's, Denmark.
1: And she's become one of my dear friends. And she came with you to, to Arizona, yes. and so we were catching up about it. And she told me that one of the state le- – I might urge to call them Congress people, state legislators. I guess it's the same thing. Um was talking she was native american and she was talking about the g- genocide that that she says that native americans had to endure and then when you were on the stand you brought up that it is such a it's vicious and libelous for them to call you a white nationalist because you are a jew who has whose you know family were victims in the holocaust and also your father was a, a fighter in the holocaust for the you know for the cause of goodness and then a parent Asher told me that that then that woman, the Native American woman said, well, uh, when I was talking about the genocide of my people, you didn't want to hear it. But now you're talking about the Holocaust and we have to hear it. That is a total like non sequitur. It, it shows you that they're very confused people. And I'm I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but it, it shows a level of confusion. First of all, you're on the stand. She's not on the stand. It's it, it's a non sequitur for her to bring up a genocide that may or may not have happened to her people when she's a questioner you were being accused of being a, a white nationalist so of course you're defending yourself among other things by citing your your history as a jew it's like does she not understand that that, that like her, well unfortunately her comment she, doesn't she make kept, any sense she
0: kept saying that hate speech is not free speech right except no, the hate no. speech against you of course, but that's not hate speech in her mind. That's just accurate statements. But, of course, everybody who engages in hate speech thinks they're speaking accurate statements, so that's the reason all hate speech should be allowed. The only hate speech that's not allowed... Oh, by the way, she said, well, not all speech is allowed, like, don't cry, fire in a crowded theater. Everybody uses that example. Right. Fine, but that's nothing to do with hate speech. It's not. A, that's imminent creation... Of, of chaos and
1: in, danger. Yes. yes. Uh, so, no, but but like sometimes leftist individuals, not all, but many, will like make these statements that that literally just don't make sense given the context. I'll give you another example. I um was I posted something on my Instagram where I was talking with Larry Elder, and I and I cited this fact that that in 2019, twelve unarmed blacks were killed by police, and I was saying this hardly indicates. The presence of systemic racism, you know, with cops, if only, and the number should be zero, but still only twelve. Well, it can't be, no, no,
0: it does, uh, with all respect, it, it doesn't have to be zero. How do right. we know that all 12 were not, did not merit being right. shot? Well. The fact that you're unarmed doesn't mean you're not a, a mortal threat.
1: Exactly. But I was saying, I I, I said, 12 on our blacks were killed in 2019 by police. Someone comments and says, like, you're crazy and and your facts are are wrong. And so I wrote back, I said, which fact, what is wrong? And she writes back saying, "Um, well, black people have known this fact for a long time that police kill black people. And you, as a white person, uh, you know, you didn't have to confront that reality. And then I wrote back to her and I said, so we agree on the fact like she, she just made a non sequitur. Well, and this she happened was taught,
0: so- she, the whole thing is non sequitur. The issue isn't, the issue isn't who said it. The issue is, is it true?
1: Right. But that's the point. She made a non sequitur. And, and what I'm trying to say by bringing up all these examples is that I've noticed many leftists tend to do that. They will take a context and then bring up another context and it will, it will have nothing to do with the other. And it supports what you just said that, that. They're very confused.
0: Well, it was certainly evident at the at the hearing yesterday. And it was, it, it's, I have to admit, even for me, it's a little disconcerting because I'm thinking, did you not hear anything I said?
1: Well, that's my question. Are they, did they, did they hear it and they know it's true and just feel obligated to oppose it? I don't it? have an answer. Or did you they literally not understand what said? You don't, ha- you, you don't you have said. an
0: answer and I don't have an answer. To enter the, the, that mind is not possible for us. By the way, that's why I said you said why. I said because the bad hate the good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This question of why they hate me, I, I raised this, and I think I, I mentioned this. Yeah, I'm sure I mentioned it on one of our podcasts when I spoke for Moms for Liberty in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. So there's a big demonstration anti Moms for Liberty. LGBTQ pride demonstration against it right in front of the hotel. So I walked over to them and I I forgot I'm recognizable. I I know it sounds silly, but I figured maybe the left doesn't know who I am, but I was wrong. Anyway, they came over and and I'm sure to their shock, I just very calmly talked to them and I I said, I'm just curious. I, I think I've devoted my life to goodness. Why do you hate me? So do you know the only answer I remember was fascinating. You want to return America to the 1960s. That's what, that was the answer. <laughs>
1: On MyPillow's 20 year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in the history of MyPillows. You will receive a queen size MyPillow for $19.98. Regular price is $69.98 and it's just ten dollars more for a king size. You will receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the this is the time to try out some of their other great products you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio and podcast square and use the promo code Hartman to receive this amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 1-800-566-6745. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality of sleep that you deserve. Go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code HARTMAN or call 1-800-566-6745 today.
0: And tell me how you... Did I tell you this? Is this new to you?
1: You told me about the Jewish student who told you that you support Nazis. Okay, so you made. But you haven't told me this. Okay,
0: good. I'm glad. But even even if I did, it's worth reviewing. So i I thought that was actually an understandable response. They have in their mind that America prior to the 70s was a. Black lynching, uh, Jim Crow, Crow, uh, gay bashing, even arresting, woman-hating society. That stuff existed. Well, the lynching had already ended, thank God. But that's not the totality of America of the 1950s, 1960s. What? In, okay, here is the rule to way, the way you judge any society. Was the bad it did unique, or did everybody do it? Was the good they did unique, or did everybody do it? That is the only legitimate way to judge the past. So here's the answer. Every evil America engaged in so did the rest of the world wherever there were multiple races or even just tribes as in Africa there was hatred okay uh gays were a problem virtually everywhere to any society it's not a defense it's a description but freedom that existed in this country was unique
1: And the way that we overcame that bigotry is unique. Yes. Hello, half of Africa's fifty-four countries criminalize homosexuality, and several of those companies, (laughs) countries, immediately punish it with the death penalty. Hello, we we have overcome, even though yes, there were some horrible things in our country. We have largely right, but they again
0: they were universal. Yes. The uniqueness of America was not its bad. The uniqueness of America was its good.
1: So I have a question for you. I think that is an excellent way to judge societies. Do you think that can be applied to judging people?
0: Yes, totally. Hmm. You, you have to judge people in their generations. As, as Noah. As, as Noah. Right. That's right. That's what it says. He was, he was righteous in his generations. There is no other way to judge a human being because we will all be judged I, I always give the example there will probably be a vegetarian future I'm not sure but I think what do you so. mean by that I think that there will be a time they, that most most people will just be vegetarian not me okay now I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on that but I but I because I, 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 they may well really create perfect substitutes yeah they might and then every one of us, who lived now and ate meat? They were meat eaters. Tear their statue down. That—that's the equivalent. When, when, when they will do X, yes. or not X, and we did X, we we will be shoved down the memory hole, as as Lenin would put it.
1: You know, the people who j- judge the 1960s so harshly, I would like to ask them this question. If you cannot stand up against wokeism, if you cannot stand up against the moral atrocity that we are seeing in the United States today that is allowing 13-year-olds and, and minors to get their breasts cut off in the name of gender-affirming care. Well, it's more 17
0: you... with the breast cut off. But it, Oh, it, oh it, people it, as but... young
1: as 13 have that happen to them. In the U.S.? Yeah. There was a case of a 13-year-old that got a double mastectomy.
0: Really? Yes,
1: I'll send it to you. I mean, look, it's it's not rampant, but it's certainly, it's happening. Well, no,
0: even if it's rampant at 18, it's right. It's evil.
1: Well, g- gender-affirming care, which is yes. hilarious, is gender-denying care. Another example Correct. of the inversions right. of the left. Um, the point is, if you can't stand up to that, if you can't stand up against wokeism, you really think back, if you were in the 1960s, you would have stood up to all of these things, you know, superb. come on, give me a break. You are, su- you are such a coward now. You get so offended by the small... You can't even stand up to the most obvious evil. But you would have been a civil rights activist 60 That's years ago. That's what was
0: so depressing to me about the herd-like behavior during COVID. Yeah. That's it- when I wrote my two columns, the good German and the good American.
1: You know, I was thinking about COVID recently because I'm doing a show on Timeless about art. Another example of how you and I, people th- probably think of us as just like political creatures. We love talking about the non-political.
0: More than the Way political. Way more
1: than the political, actually, yes. I was thinking about COVID, and because I looked at this painting of Napoleon visiting plague victims, yeah. and he, he actually Napoleon really did that in the 19th century, probably in part because he knew that if he did it and he didn't get the plague, he would be seen as this kind of like deity mm-hmm. figure but still he went and visited people under his jurisdiction who were seriously ill and the plague was no joke play pl- the plague was not COVID. the plague was was like yes. life ending and i just think look at that bravery and yet we what do you think napoleon would have thought of us and we are like people are like lysoling their frosted flakes and they're <laughs> disinfecting their groceries i mean vir- virtue has Real virtue has been killed. We have killed it.
0: The the wokeization of the armed forces.
1: Oh, I, I just did a show on that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So give people an example. Okay.
1: Well, um, according to the United States Pacific Command, which is a subset of our Navy, you cannot call people by gendered pronouns. You can't call someone young or old. And get ready for this one. You can't even call someone a sergeant. Because there are some people who aren't sergeants, and it may make them feel sad wait, that they're wait, not a sergeant. Wait, wait. They're removing
0: yeah. military titles
1: in the, in this one part of the Navy, the U.S. Pacific Command, which is, by the way, in charge of, of dealing with China. I'll send this to you. I'll put I'll send this to Sean, and we'll put it in the description down below. There's a list. So of So, what do you
0: call them, Jerry?
1: I guess you just call them by their first name. I played a video. What on... if it's
0: a gendered first name?
1: <laughs> Great question. I don't know.
0: Like Julie. No, no, honestly, that's actually, that's a really good point
1: that you just made. Because once we start getting rid of pronouns, you're right. The next thing is to get rid of like feminine sounding names. So what are we just going to call people? Object.
0: Of the, uh, or first That's letter. That's a really good point. Yeah. God, I sh-
1: we, sh- we need to remember that. That's You should mm-hmm. say that on your radio show. But, um, oh, there's a video that is shown to the army, not a subset of the army, the entire army, that has these two people who, like, say their pronouns. And they're talking about the ways to avoid using gendered language. And they talk about creating a safe space. <laughs> As Elsie pointed out, a safe space in the military, the whole point of the military is to go to unsafe spaces. It's sick. It's sick. And also, I mean, space in the military. I mean, literally, uh, these people are, der- I'm sorry, they're deranged. Just
0: yes, a place where your feelings can't be hurt in the Army, Navy or Air Force. And
1: the, the literal whole point of enlisting is that you go to yes, unsafe spaces. That's right. That is the ultimate irony. I mean, I just had this. I shouldn't laugh because it's so. Police,
0: der- we will not send you into any danger.
1: Yes. I had this. I had this uh, thought as I was broadcasting that kind of made me laugh even though it's it's so awful so they're talking in that video about how to like confront people with and and talk to them about their gender so let's say china invades taiwan and we the united states go in to defend taiwan and we encounter and our military people encounter some chinese military people do you really think it's going to work out for our military people go "Hey, hey before you shoot me what are your pronouns Like, do do, do they think that's what's going to happen? Honestly. I know it sounds like kind of like a cheeky or like cute question. I'm being dead serious. Do they want that?
0: Well, you know, this is the lowest, I think, enrollment rate, enlistment rate in the armed forces since we have a volunteer army.
1: Yes. And according to the Epic Times, 80% of American men aged uh, 17 to 24 are unfit to serve, like physically unfit. Yeah. We're screwed. I'm sorry. Wait, it doesn't mean that the 20%
0: screwed. that are physically fit are mentally fit.
1: Well, exactly. What I don't understand. They may
0: be safe spaces, guys.
1: What I don't understand, and girls. it's this, the same thing with these ASU people. By tearing down free speech, you're ultimately just harming yourself. You're going against your best interest because it will come to you. By making our Army, Navy, our military writ large weaker – that, that is going well, against one of their the, best interests uh, to be safe.
0: devoted my life to studying the left, one of the things that they never consider is what precedent am I setting yeah. and will it hurt me? So, for example, arresting a former president of the United States and the leading candidate to be the nominee of the opposition party, arresting mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. We've never done this in American history. They don't think that one day when Republicans have power, they won't do it to them. And by the way, they should do it to them. There is no other answer to evil than hurting them. And uh, if in the way they hurt you, I don't, I don't mean torturing them or right. anything like that, but if you arrest our candidates... We will arrest your candidates.
1: Also, we have reason to arrest their candidates. Yes. Hello, our president is bought off by China. Uh, Well. uh, And Ukraine.
0: Okay, I'm not going to go there because it's so true, but uh, politics is not my first choice. I'm just offering the general principle. Right. Aside from the, I believe, the most corrupt administration in American history... The, the Biden administration. Let, even if it were not the most corrupt, there, there is always... What is... There is a... Have you heard this phrase? Uh, you can... Uh, uh, how easy it is for a prosecutor to get someone indicted. You can indict a ham sandwich. Did you ever hear that no. phrase? Yes. It's a very famous phrase. Look it up. You'll enjoy it. You could, uh, And it's true. A prosecutor... To say someone is indicted tells you almost nothing. Mm-hmm. You can th- there's no defense basically. There's no attorney for the other person. You you just bring any evidence and some jury will will indict you. It it does it it, it doesn't mean almost anything. But he, he, unless it is egregious criminality, arresting the opposition leader. Yeah must happen to you to put an end to it. If you think you're the only ones, which evil always believe, we're the only ones who can get away with what we do because the, 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 there's a self-righteousness with regard to political evil that is always present. Mm-hmm. So they think, well, Trump deserves it. Your man doesn't deserve it or we can't find a man of yours that will deserve it. And... That's the only way to... It's like, I'll tell you the perfect analogy, MAD, mutual assured destruction. Mm. Only if the left understands, we destroy you, we get destroyed, will we stop this.
1: That is absolutely true. Well said. It's a sobering thought, and it's one that I hesitate to say, but I have to be... You know, when, when we have this rule. When you're hesitating to say something on Dennis and Julie you say it (laughs) so it's not even worth mentioning that i'm hesitating because it's going to come out anyway i really worry that i will see the united states end in my lifetime i'm not saying i think for sure it will happen there are reasons for optimism i do think more people are being alerted to how crazy um these leftist policies and ways of thinking are because it's it's really especially over the past two years it's come i would say it's come into almost every american's life in in their in their working life in their personal life i'm sure a lot of people have been canceled by friends or family members i'm sure a lot of people have seen the woke gender racial stuff in their workplace in their kids schools there is there is reason for optimism but boy things are so bad there is such a large contingent of people that really hope to see this country go down not just our um, accomplices and in, in, or not just complacent in, or accomplices in the demise, but really actively wish to see it go down. I'm 23 years old. I really look ahead to my life and I go, when I'm 40, w- will I, will there be a United States of America? I don't know. Will I be? I mean, I, right. I seriously fear. And again, I'm, I'm sorry if this sounds dramatic, but I'm being honest, especially with the job I have. I fear that I may one day be arrested on some phony charge. Mm-hmm. If Mark Houck, who is praying in front of an abortion clinic, praying, wasn't harming anyone, was arrested, and 25 FBI, you know, SWAT members were sent to his home, it could happen to... I, I say things that are a lot more angering to to the left than, you know, praying in front of an abortion clinic. It's a really terrifying thing.
0: When, when did that happen?
1: Oh, this happened like... Uh... Nine months ago or a year ago. He Mark was just Huck. praying? Yes. He was praying in front and of an abortion clinic. what was he charged clinic. with? Trespassing. Was he? Well, I think he was on the lawn of the abortion clinic. Yes. So maybe technically he mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. I think there is a law that you can't well, pray I, 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 in I front mean, of an the, abortion the, clinic. The point
0: is well taken. The amount of, uh, of destruction in the 2020 riots... That went unpunished, unarrested, unindicted.
1: How about all these examples of people walking into CVS and there are videos, and they're literally just putting merchandise into trash bags and walking out? They're trespassing. They're stealing, and they don't have twenty five FBI uh, well, SWAT members sent that, to their house. Even
0: if they're caught in California, anyway, if it's under nine hundred dollars, it, it's just a misdemeanor. Yeah, and you could do it daily. They don't add it up. They don't. You don't have an account.
1: Or the or the um, people the the Tennessee state legislators who let those 400 riders come into the state capitol after the shooting at the Covenant School the, Bi- the Biden administration invited those legislators to the White House. The ones who were letting the the, the people in. Mm-hmm. That's right. There is a there is there is political persecution front and center right now in the United States. If people don't see it, they are blind or they are willfully blindfolding themselves. And so yeah, I worry. I worry for my future. On that happy note,
0: <laughs> so a final word on that. It can't, it can't, it can't work uh, geographically, it's it just. But I will admit, I national I, divorce. Yeah, that if, if all, and it really is all, if all the major cities of the United States, made a left-wing America and left the rest to us it would be sad but i much rather raise my child in a society without san francisco la philadelphia etc as they are now than with them i have much greater fear that my child will be hurt in a philadelphia or an la or san francisco school than in a Kenosha, Wisconsin school, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is that not obvious?
1: Absolutely. Look, it's not my first choice by any means. No, but if it would get if if they would agree to it, I would to to the national divorce. I would say you can have whatever f- twenty five states you want. We'll yeah. take the rest. Let's, you and, can have and, the coast. And we'll do a, tra-
0: can, we'll do a transfer.
1: Yep, we'll, we'll take the right. rest. If that's what it takes to get them to agree, I'll go take the best the, states. Yeah, but
0: I'll tell you what will happen. I'll tell you, I, I've thought about this. So let's say that we're done. There's no question that the states with Judeo-Christian traditional middle class values will prosper more than the others. There's no question. Uh, just as San Francisco has been ruined by the left... Those twenty-five states would be ruined by the left. So what would happen? They would move.
1: I know. They would move to our states,
0: and and then ruin
1: them. Well, I would think that in our hypothetical United States 2.0, we would have a very very strict
0: (laughs) immigration.
1: We would have a big wall. (laughs) We would have a really big wall. I'm laughing, but I'm actually not kidding. I think. So we don't keep you
0: out by ethnicity or nationality. Yeah, we keep you. But by ideology.
1: Well, that's what's, you're right. That's what's happening. Like People are leaving California to go to – that's what happened with Washington State. Washington State used to be conservative. That's right. And now it's a liberal yes. cesspool that ruled that if a kid runs away from their parents because their parents don't affirm their pronouns and go to a state shelter, the state shelter doesn't have to notify the parents. Well, that uh, is Washington State that's now. Right.
0: By the way, have they passed the bill in California or is it I'm just I'm not sure if they passed it. That, I mean, it actually states. Yeah. In in child custody cases, the the preference is that the child go to the parent who is to, wants to affirm that that minor child's new sexual identity. So if your daughter is ten, says she's a boy, and you divorce, the parent who says no, you're really a girl, loses custody.
1: Yep. They're classified as an abusive parent. Right what would you say to someone like me and I'm sure other young conservatives who really fear for our future?
0: Look, I, I never patronize people. You have every reason to fear for your future. On the other hand, you have every reason, therefore, to fight. It's not hopeless. There is hope. There, there is reason to fear for your future and there is reason to hope for your future. So the only question is, what will you do? get more of your peers to awaken to to what is happening to what was the greatest country on earth
1: by your example to harken back well, to earlier in part
0: in part yes in part because you do have to articulate it as well what a happy note to end i
1: know but you know what it's real we can't sugarcoat it as you say you don't patronize anyone
0: also uh you you have to. People need to realize something. The aberration has been America. the The ability to grow up in a free and affluent society was essentially unique to America, and then some Western European countries, in Canada, Australia, New Zealand. I mean, it, it's these are aberrations in human history. It it was normal to understand that life is painful so the tragedy is that the left is destroying this beautiful aberration that's the tragedy
1: and they may not see it but they are really working against their own best interest by doing they, so it well, they, will not work out well right. for any of us that's right. including them
0: Remember mutual assured destruction. I know that was
1: really good. I'm going to borrow that. And what was the other big insight from this episode that we have to write down? The 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 getting rid of um, gendered names. You're right. That's what's coming next.
0: Well, it, it, I think it's already begun. A lot of parents opt for what do they call them? Gender neutral, whatever right. names. But-
1: that's happening, but it's still confined to, like, people just deciding to name their kids differently. I think you are prescient here. I think just as now in schools they're actively teaching, you shouldn't use pronouns. I think they're going to start actively yes. teaching. You shouldn't. Nouns. Ref- nouns, yes. Yeah. Pronouns is going to turn into nouns.
0: Tell everybody how to contact me. No, you do. If you want to contact Julie.
1: So you going to get it?
0: She, take your bets here is her address
1: oh god please don't do that
0: <laughs> I don't know your address I think no. you do julie <laughs> at Hartman.com. No.
1: julie at julie-hartman.com oh yeah I, I yeah. only say it every week all right
0: but I don't listen all right no when shade it, when, no when shade. you go into this uh, boilerplate as the lawyers put
1: hey, it hey I remember th- your aunt chippy <laughs> If I can remember that your aunt was chippy, I think you can remember my email that I say every single week. I'm just saying.
0: My aunt. Aunt. That's that fascinating. You never said aunt? You always said aunt?
1: Aunt is, aunt is a creature.
0: I know. And aunt. I, w- I would like to know what percentage of Americans say aunt and what percent say aunt. I called her Aunt Chippy. Her name was Aunt Chippy. She was not named after an insect.
1: She gave you love. But
0: I'm very touched that we're mentioning her. Yes. She was a a relative I loved. Yes.
1: You can reach me at julie at julie-hartman.com. You can also follow me at julie r hartman, And you can follow Dennis on Instagram. See, I'm publicizing your own Instagram for you. I
0: have an Instagram? Yes, you do. Yeah.
1: It's called, it's at the Dennis Prager.
0: Oh, he wants me to show you how Aunt Chippy laughed. That was my Aunt Lottie.
1: You had an Aunt Lottie?
0: Yes. How did Aunt, she laugh? So Aunt Lottie, who was older than my Aunt Chippy, Aunt Lottie would visit our home once a year for mm-hmm. the Passover Seder. hmm And Aunt Lottie had everything basically from the shoulder up was artificial. Oh,
1: God. Aunt Lottie loved plastic her, surgery. Her,
0: no, no, no. Shoulder I, up. There was pre... This is pre... Uh, eyelashes. Oh. Um, hair uh something would would come off if she <laughs> if she moved too much so if if something funny were said yeah she would laugh like this <laughs> so for those listening and not watching her head was completely still, and her shoulders went up and down.
1: You know, Kim Kardashian, who we mentioned last episode, and I think you got her name, which was quite impressive. And Chloe. And did, Uh
0: That's the one I didn't remember. No, yeah, yeah hey. okay.
1: Anyway, she, I saw a video of her, and she's obviously very into vanity. And she says that she tries not to laugh anymore because of the laugh line. So when she wants to laugh, she just goes... <laughs>
0: She said that. Like she,
1: per- yeah, she puts because her lips she'll together. she'll
0: laugh lines.
1: Yeah. Hey, I love when I see laugh lines on people. I'm like, you've you've earned those laugh lines. Good for you. you you've had a happy life. They're
0: actually called laugh. lines? Yeah, I
1: think I, I probably have them. Because I, I laugh a lot. I probably
0: have them. That is a riot. We all do. Julie at julie-hartman.com.
1: And your Instagram is at the dennis prager. My Instagram is at julie r hartman, and you can catch every D and J. On this YouTube channel, premieres Mondays. But they should write you
0: because you read everything. Yes,
1: I read everything. I deeply appreciate it. Shalom.